Hello and welcome to the AI Applied Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Grennan. And I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Each week we cover breaking AI news, tools, and interview experts giving you actionable tips on applying AI in your career and life. Cool. Hey, Jaden. So today I really want to talk about something that most of us see like every day, which is Amazon, as you know. But Amazon, you know, a lot of times we've been sort of seeing how they've been doing cloud stuff and other stuff like that. Today feels super practical to me. They have this new, uh, it's like an AI powered advertising tool. I don't know if you've seen this. It's like they yeah, released yeah. this, it's just like this beta version, I think, but it's it's this image generator for the advertising platform, right? So it uses generative AI, obviously, to create these. Uh, I mean, they call it like lifestyle themed images that can, and they say it's going to boost click-through rates by like 40%. Have you, have you seen this That's at all wild. yet? Yeah, no, I think this is super cool. So um, I was looking into this a little bit, you know, my background's in digital marketing. So I'm like super fascinated in this area and anything that makes people's lives easier in there, I'm like all for, because yeah, I've, I've definitely done a ton of that. I, what I think is interesting is like the precedent on this is um, Google has used generative AI uh, a similar kind of idea for ads. And then um, we've seen the same thing out of a handful of other like kind of ad agency places. So now seeing Amazon do this, it's kind of like a no brainer. Um, what I will say that's interesting here is when you're doing ads and advertising, there's something very common called ad fatigue that you get where essentially like, if I see the same ad every day for a week, I'm like, please, like, oh, like yeah. on Facebook or something, I'm like, please just go away. Like, I don't yeah. wanna see this ad anymore. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of studies that show you have to see an ad like like on average seven times or have seven interactions with a company Ugh. before you'll actually buy their product. So like, I hate that the brain works like that, by the way, but go on. I know, yeah. I know. But like for companies, it's it's like it's a real problem where it's like we they need to get in front of you seven times, but you're going to get sick of what they're doing. And so I think this is super smart with Amazon because they have this ad platform. People are going there. They're being advertised to. And so essentially they're they're creating this tool where like, as I understand it and kind of looked into it. They, they can change the background on a product. Mm -hmm. So like if you upload like a product of like a water bottle, um, then it can like put it on a table or it can like put it in like the desert or it can like put it in all these like cool places. And I think what's really interesting here specifically is like holiday themes. So yep. it's like the water bottle on like a Thanksgiving table or like, I don't know, like in a Christmas stocking or like kind of like that idea. I, I think it's like, I think it's a great idea. No, Definitely I, I, time. so I'm with you also like, I think I was like in high school, I, I was worked for short time as an assistant photographer and we we shot like i don't know like food or jewelry that kind of stuff the amount of work that goes into that is unbelievable right and the idea that you know now you can really put it in so i think the youtube video i don't know if you saw this demo but it was like a toaster oven or a yeah yeah pot or something and it put it into all these different houses right so first of all you know no more like you know renting property and everything like that getting the light right it puts it into the perfect setting so for the mood if it's like a high-end product that's really cool as you said the theme so like i think the theme on the youtube is like pumpkin spice which i think is all anybody says like over and over again in the fall is like uh -huh. pumpkin <laughs> spice but like so it had like you know you know whatever you do with pumpkins in a crock pot but the really cool thing to me is that it just looks so clean. And so you've seen like the Amazon, you know, products on a green screen and it just looks bad. And to your point about how you have to see things over and over again, you know, beauty really matters, you know, and like, and also on Amazon, Amazon's not big players anymore. Amazon's tons of tiny, tiny players. And so all of a sudden it's just, 
like I hate the word democratizing, but it really is. It's just democratizing something that looks it's like when I watch old trailers with my kids and I was like, I promise this movie's good. They're like the trailer's terrible. Seeing something beautiful in there, I think really makes a difference. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Um, Google's tool, I actually also love their their generative AI ad tool. You just post the link to your like landing page in Google Ads. And it will create all of your ads for you based off of that. Saves you so much time. What? All of these, all of these like really applicable tools, I think, are important um, and really easy and really you know speed up time for advertisers and, and marketers and stuff. And the reason I think it's cool that Amazon is doing this today is because um, beyond just you know all, you know obviously awesome tool for advertisers, I think it's kind of the trend where the industry is going, where uh, instead of having to have like cr like instead of having to go and contact your designers in your, mm -hmm. you know, in your design department to be like, Hey, create me all these ad assets and creatives. It's like the person actually doing the job, actually looking at the click through rates, actually looking at like the analytics behind the ad campaign. They're the ones that are essentially it's right there and built in. And I think we're going to see the same trend with a lot of AI tools where if there's an AI functionality, instead of having it on a, a third party platform to kind of create your content or your thing, it's going to be built into the tools as you use them. So I think yeah. that'll be a, a really interesting play. And speaking of that, um, mm -hmm. there is a really interesting, uh, you know, recent story I saw, um, which I think is kind of kind of along the same lines, which is that Grammarly um, it has recently introduced a new AI tool or a new AI feature, essentially, that as you use the internet and you have the Grammarly plugin installed, it's tracking like it's looking at everything you write, everything you say and stuff. And it's creating a profile of your tone and voice. So when you ask it to generate text for you, it's in your voice, in your tone, which I love this so much. I love this. I mean, but Jaden, this is what we've been talking about forever, right? Which is personalization, right? Every time somebody says, where do you think this is going? I think I've heard you say this too. It's about personalization, right? I mean, like, you're, like I love ChatGPT. I love all these products, but sometimes you know, you're, you're wrestling with it. You know what I mean? Like, cause you say, I don't know if you've had this, I have a tone of voice that's pretty casual. And so chat GPT will write me something that's yeah. pretty, you know, kind of uptight and I'll be like more yeah, casual. Yeah. And you know what I'm going to say, right? It's like, Hey man, do you yeah. have to boogie? I'm like, no man, I don't want to boogie. Like, where is the, where is the, the sort of the middle ground between, Hey, cool surfer guy. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. And the super uptight thing. So Grammarly can actually nail that. I think that will actually drag a lot of people because there's Grammarly has competitors, right? I think it could yeah. actually drag a lot of people over there. No. Yeah. And so it, I think it's like what I was saying before with like the trend where it's like before this existed, in, you would go to like Google Docs or Microsoft Word to generate your stuff. And both of those have generative AI stuff built in. But you also like, let's say you use Grammarly. A lot of people do to help them with their grammar and stuff. Like it's a plugin installed on your on your browser. So it's like, I'll, instead of having to go to Google Docs to generate stuff, it's like I'm right on my email or I'm right on any website generating any piece of text and Grammarly is built in. So I feel like it's going to be like more of these a these generative AI experiences that follow you around versus you have to go to a specific place. Like I have to go to Photoshop to use generative AI things to build my products. It's like, no, it's just built right into Amazon. Like you post a photo on Amazon, it's built in. It's like you're talking on the internet on anything like Grammarly's right there on your Chrome browser, just going to fill it in for you. I think that's great. Um, to be honest, I actually, a, a few months ago, I had a, a good friend of mine and we seriously considered starting a company that was, is pretty much, um, what what Grammarly is doing now, except it was mm -hmm. going to be like a plugin to help you with your emails. It was going to read through all your emails you've ever yeah. sent 
and then come up with your like tone and, and respond to emails because exactly the problem you've said, which is, uh, it, yeah, if you say the word casual to ChatGPT, it will have at least three bros in the following response. <laughs> it's and, amazing. Who yeah. who talks like that? But but also that's the thing, right? So so uh, you know, I consult with companies around uh, uh, how to use these, uh, how to use generative AI tools, and I get asked the question all the time, like, what are the tools? And one of the reasons that you and I wanted to get together on this is. How do you actually like apply all this? Because don't you feel like the world has like AI, like AI FOMO? Do you know what I mean? Like where there's so oh, yeah. many tools out there. And so what I always say is, you know, kind of what you're saying, which is use the tools that you're already comfortable using, right? And so what Grammarly does, and, and I haven't used it, maybe you've used it like a little more than I have. A little bit, yeah. But, you know, you're, you're writing an email. So the friction there is like, you know, you just have to spend a lot of mental energy and you have to work. And if you're a good email, you are, or if you're not, whatever. But the point is that I'm sure ChatGPT and other products like this are great for people that don't want to spend the time writing email, but you're really losing something. It's almost like mental latency or something. I don't even know what to call it, but there's this new friction. So one friction goes away, right? And when we talk about like AI applied, we're talking about like, how do you actually use it? So one friction goes away, which is, hey, this email used to take me this much time, this much brain energy. Now it takes basically zero, but it's created a little more friction around, well, now how do I get it to sound like me? And it sounds like this may be reducing that, which is feels like the mother load, right? Oh yeah, big time. Um, I think, yeah, like talking about using AI tools for what you do at work and in your career and life, like this Grammarly one's a no-brainer. Um, everyone should everyone should definitely be using that. Now, here's the here's an interesting thought for you though on all of this. Yeah, yeah. On the one hand, I'm like, oh, super cool. Uh, you know, Grammarly can do this, dude. Uh, can, or, um, OpenAI and ChatGPT could make a killer competitor to this. Mm -hmm. Um, and all they would have to do is. Like in order to get your tone, because I know people are like, yeah, well, Grammarly's got this like e this excellent data source where they're already following you around, looking at everything you write. So now they know your exact tone. But actually, I think ChatGPT can make a great competitor to this because they know everything you write too, because you write your prompts. They could literally train your tone off of your prompts that you give it. And then and you just have a little, they should just honestly have a toggle at the top that's like, say this like I would say it pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, that feels like you're absolutely right. It just feels like a loss. I mean, I'm sure they will get there. They're probably, they probably created it like last May. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they're just waiting yeah, to yeah. roll it out. But it does remind me that, you know, when we think about, you know, like applying all this stuff, it's like, what do you already need and what do you already use? So, so it's funny that you bring up ChatGPT, right? Because now as, you know, as sort of still nascent as ChatGPT is, a lot of us are now super well-versed on ChatGPT. That's almost becoming, not to, not to a lot of the world, we live in a little bit of a bubble, uh, you know, you and me and probably a lot of our listeners here. But but still, like, that's becoming almost like the norm. And that's why, you know, I, you know, when you want to stretch people a little bit, like that's where, and this is the other news story I kind of wanted to, to sort of talk about a little bit, which is this perplexity story. I don't know if you sort of like saw this, that they got this, you know, massive new investment in cash. It's like, Hold on, I have it. It's like a five hundred. Yeah, it's like a half a billion dollars from uh, from from IVP. But when you're talking about like, hey, you know, OpenAI could do this, ChatGPT could do this, like perplexity. By the way, this you know the multiple. I think they had like three million in revenue. So to kind of get much <laughs> is in, now apparently it's in line with other generative AI sort of type tools. But the funny thing I saw on this when I was reading this article 
was that it only has like 15,000 users. And I'm one of the, I mean, sorry, uh, paid users. And I'm one of those. Really? I'm, like, I'm, one of, I'm like, wow, I'm one of 15. So that made me feel sort of special. But the point is that perplexity in our flow of work, like you're talking about with ChatGPT, it, it totally like vibes in your flow of work. It feels like ChatGPT, except it's like, it's the closest thing to Google, right? So like, I don't know, sort of when you saw that number half a billion into perplexity, if you thought that was high or if you thought, well, I guess they're, they're making their case here. So yeah, I think right now what we're seeing in the fundraising environment is that um, you're going to see all of the biggest companies that have already been around for a while are going to be getting the most money. So, you know, perplexity getting 500 million, like I think they're one of the bigger players in AI. So it's not that shocking. Um, some of the newer companies that might've just come out this, you know, earlier this year, they're not going to quite get as much of that. And I think um, VCs and other people in particular are definitely strapped for cash as well. And so I think they want to make like safer bets and safer plays. I think that's the reason why you see Anthropic is just like raising round after round after round this year. They've yeah. raised some like something very similar. Maybe I think it might be close to 800 million or something. But um, yeah. in any case, yeah, no, I think that's that's great to be 100% transparent. I have not used Perplexity AI a lot. So actually something I would love to ask you about is like what you're a paying user. So like what do you use Perplexity AI for? What do you love about it and like what made it worth paying for you? Yeah, so it's it's sort of something that I, I sort of stumbled upon. Like in the early days, I was just ChatGPT, but of course it had that cutoff. Went over to Bing uh, a little better, but Bing has a personality to it. I don't know. I haven't used it in a little while. Bard, I mean, look, Google's going to be fine, but Bard, the product just wasn't that great. And then Perplexity comes along, right? And Perplexity... Uh, you know, the engine behind it, at least for a paid user, uh, you know, I think you can use ChatGPT4 like five times a day if you're not a paid user. Uh, so okay. it, it speeds it up. It gives it a little bit of a better quality. You can also toggle back and forth. It's really interesting between GPT4 and Claude, Anthropics Claude, which okay. is cool if you want to try it. But the really cool thing about Perplexity is that, you know, I used to say to like when I was when I'm consulting with people like, listen, ChatGPT does not replace Google. You know what I mean? Like it's more of a reasoning tool than a knowledge tool. Perplexity. Uh -huh kind of replaces Google for me. Like if you say it'll, you'll, you know, you'll ask it a question like, Hey, how's Walmart stock doing today? Or how's Walmart doing? And the first thing it often does is, okay, Connor, are you asking more like this or more like this? So right away, it's like, where are you going with it? And then I'm like, well, I guess mm -hmm. I'm asking more because I'm looking at making an investment in Walmart or something. Mm -hmm. And then it just pops up just 10 articles about, you know, in the last couple of weeks or whatever, about like Walmart and investment and economics, you know, sort of macroeconomics around Walmart. But it, it's all, you know, the links are right there. It's really uh, easy to sort of see the links come before your answer. So you see it right away. It'll give you YouTube videos, everything. And that's the amazing thing to me is that it gives you that. Now, the thing I have a little bit of problem and other people are maybe better at perplexity than me. But then I try to kind of stay in the flow. I'm like, hey, could you rewrite this as if I was writing a, a LinkedIn post? I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I yeah. owe, I actually do write my own stuff on LinkedIn, but I like to see like what it would say because it helps structure yeah, my yeah. thinking. But the amazing thing, it, it sort of tends to get a little stuck there sometimes. People might argue, mm -hmm. like, let me know if you have a different experience. But really, it's just phenomenal at getting absolutely accurate advice to the point where I'm not even sure I go to Google anymore. That's amazing. Okay, so something interesting you said about that is when you ask it a question, it kind of asks like a follow-up question. And I I recently was talking to someone else that said that they, they believe this is the way it goes. For me, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, that's annoying. I just want to ask a question and just to know what I'm talking about and just like get me the answer. 
do you feel like the the quality of the output is so much better from that like kind of screening question a follow-up question it gives you uh, like like is that annoying or is that like useful yeah so this is a great question because they do have a skip button it's, and okay. i'm like half the time i'm like just whatever you think but really it's actually really smart, right? Because when you ask a question, I think a lot of people, when they're using large language models, right, they get an answer that just is an awful answer. It's not answering what they think. And a lot of people just give up. I run into that all the time. People are like, eh, I tried to answer, but the answer was so dumb. I'm like, well, because you said like, you know, how do I start a telecom company? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so broad that it has, do you need marketing? Do you need demographics? Like, what do you need? And this is sort of just trying to get it hey, I'm giving you one extra step in case you want to use it. Do you mean more like Walmart, the company? Do you mean like what you know the stock is doing? Do you mean more like the macroeconomics around big box stores? Like, why are you asking this question? And I think that just as sort of like a rubric for education, the question around, tell me why you're answering it. Because I think what we've seen in chat GPT, right? is like, hey, explain to me like how the cell works. That's a much different answer than if you say, hey, I'm trying to make a really creative uh, seventh grade uh, story around, you know, I'm trying to teach in a really seventh, you know, a fun way for seventh graders or whatever. It's going to give you a very different answer, but as you have all the information in your head. And this is just like, Hey, give me a little more of that. You know, mm, that's cool. Okay. One other question and sorry for harassing you so much about perplexity. I just haven't <laughs> used it. So it's like, I'm, yeah. this is interesting. And for other people listening that haven't used it, this is probably interesting too. do, if you get perplexity premium, are you getting GPT four and like Claude's pro or whatever, like both of them on the same thing? Good or... question about Claude. I don't, I mean, it's Claude 2. So what you get, I think it's pretty specific. And I I mean, I hope I don't get like this. How much is it? So like, should I just cancel my ChatGPT subscription and get this is what I'm trying to no, say. No, I wouldn't. And I mean, and because you know what ChatGPT gives you, right? I mean, the pro account gives you right. Dali now. It gives you vision. It gives you voice. It gives you uh, not code. Okay, okay. What is it called? Data, advanced data, whatever. Analytics. Yeah. That gives you all that. And here's the other, I'll just say one other thing on this which is with the free version, you can get five questions. But think about how much how much would you pay for Google? Let's say Google's like, hey, it, there's going to be a price point on this. Think about what you would pay, right? It's probably a lot. So for me personally, I know 20 bucks a month is not nothing. But for me, if I'm using that all the time, then that is really worth 20 bucks a month for me. It also gives you, I think, 600 queries with ChatGPT4, and you can switch over to Claude. But then what a lot of times I'll do, and this is the really amazing part, Instead of going into ChatGPT and using the Bing plugin for that and getting kind of like one answer, which is very good, I'll take the amalgamation of responses because that's what it does. It gets, like mm. I said, again, I'm asking about Walmart. It'll amalgamate like from like, you know, I don't know, maybe six or seven different articles and websites and give me three paragraphs on that, which is kind of, and it'll show you links. So if you see like this cool. sentence is really what I'm going for, click on that link. I'll grab that. And then what I do is I throw it into ChatGPT and say, hey, now write me a white paper for my boss about what we should be doing or if I was in financial services, which I'm mm -hmm. not. But going into that. So it's funny when we think about like applied and what people actually use. If I could only have two tools, it would be ChatGPT and Perplexity. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe I haven't tried this yet. And it, it's been uh, it's it's the greatest secret you've ever, you've ever kept. <laughs> yeah, so so just me and 15,000 other people. Yeah, so half of you are sharing it. Um, this is a really interesting news story I wanted to bring up next, and that is something that Google's doing. So essentially, they have announced they're, they're creating a bunch of new tools to help users fact check images. This is something I think like a few months ago, they announced that they were going to be working on this, but this is the first time I've actually seen this kind of rolling out and they made a big announcement on this. I'm excited. I think this is absolutely necessary. Like with Dolly coming into ChatGPT and like mid journey being as good as it is, 
like deep fakes, fake photos. It's going to be like the plague of the internet. Actually, to be honest, like I swear when I'm on X now, I get clickbaited <laughs> so much where it's like a photo of something and it's not even like AI generated photos. It's real photos. It's like blah, 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 blah. This thing happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then there's like the community notes underneath. And it's like, no, nah, this is a photo from like seven <laughs> yeah, years ago. Right. And I'm like, Thank you, community knows. I probably would have just been fed so much like random propaganda from people's. You'd have been like prepping. You've been in your basement, like grabbing yeah. like tins of beans. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. So, anyways, I think uh, obviously that's Twitter's way of solving the problem. Um, but Google is the biggest image search engine in the world, so they definitely need to tackle that problem. And so it's really cool. I don't know if have you seen this new feature at all yet? I ha I've seen the article on it. I haven't used it, and it really does feel like. Um, it should be pretty straightforward, right? Like it feels like these tools should really be able to tell whether something's AI generated or not, because I don't know if you saw it sort of like links in uh, to this, uh, this whole poison pill thing. And I don't have an article mm -hmm. open, so I'm just kind of off the top of my head where like pixels can like tell the generator or something like that pixel is actually something else. And they, they do this thing where it's like, uh, you know, it's actually, it looks like a picture of banana, but like it tells uh, like the person trying to copy it, that's like a raccoon or something like that. I had that okay, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so you, know, that, you saw this thing? Yeah, no. So that's interesting. Uh, that I think is like a, a software that artists are using to essentially right. like put it on top so that um, AI scrapers get messed up and just spit out garbage if you train on their data. So it's like their revenge or whatever. This is an interesting new thing that Google's building in. So um, as I understand it, if you essentially go to Google and you you make a search on Google Images, it's going to have like a couple dots that you can click on on top of an image. Um, and it, it has like an about this image section. Oh, so when you wild. click on that, it's going to yeah. pop up a thing below and say, this image is at least 10 years old. Here's like seven instances of this image being used in the past and like links to like the articles and the places. I think that's really cool because with AI generated stuff, obviously it's super new. And then in addition, another thing they did was you can upload your image to it and it has an example it, it doesn't say it's from twitter but it's like uh mm -hmm. it, it was like a viral video if you ever saw it or photo of like uh, a shark oh the shark yeah the the sh i saw that that's, that's the example i saw yeah 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 so you upload that and then it will tell you um yeah it just has links to like a bunch of websites that essentially like debunked that this image was real or whatever i think this is cool because this right here is obviously like talking about real images and like verifying that they're like the authenticity of the real of the image of like kind of the source of where it came from in a way that I think Google might be the only ones that can do this because they have like mm -hmm. the backlog of data mm -hmm. of the entire internet, whether that's text, image, or video with YouTube, like they know the source of every piece of content. So of course you could say, Hey, I found this historic photograph in my attic. It's never been on the internet of like, you know, George Washington doing something terrible. He's a bad person. <laughs> and then it's not going to be able to say, okay, well, here's the source of where this came from. But right. if you do post that, it'll be like, okay, the first time this ever got brought up was in 2023. So, wow. you know, just like, no, so, so that makes it, yeah. I, I didn't understand the implications when you first, said it i think i was thinking of something else because if it can actually just tell you like not whether it's ai or not but really like where this comes from the source i yeah. mean listen still our you know our grandparents are still gonna get fooled by the internet over and over again but like at least people in the know will start seeing the source that's huge i know i hadn't seen that that's really cool
Yeah, super fascinating, super interesting. I think this is an important technology that we will all be using. Um, whatever your job is, whatever your career is, you need to verify where the images come from um, before you make decisions. So I think that's great. Connor, this has been a fantastic episode of AI Applied. To the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to um, follow us both on LinkedIn and send us messages if you have questions on topics you'd love us to cover um, in this space. Connor's an absolute LinkedIn legend. I'm sure you all know the man's getting close to 50,000 followers. So absolutely legendary in the AI space. But thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AI Box, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.